0: A little late, so I got to get a uh, get going on the message. But we're in First Samuel chapter 19. If you've got your Bibles, First Samuel 19. Hope you had a a good day today. I took my life in my own hands today. It was a very very uh, dangerous few minutes, and uh, hopefully I had some people praying for me. But I took my daughter Molly, and she drove on streets today with. Me in the passenger seat, so if there's any weird clicks tonight as I talk, it's still just left over from that um, very uh very scary thing. but anyway, we survived. That was a good thing. What? Yes, probably. I was doing a lot of a lot of that, so um, yeah, that's a scary thing. Anyway, First Samuel chapter 19. Last week we looked at David's escape from his house uh, that Michael helped him, you know. Jonathan helps, David escape, and Michael helps, David escapes. Saul's kids are not on board with him at all, and uh, they've been helping David. But uh, in our text tonight, we'll see Saul's determination to kill David. And, and again, we don't have very much time, so I just want to give you a, a good rundown of what we're talking about here this evening. But let's read at verse 18 here in chapter 19. It's right after he fle- flees his house, and we have a very strange scene. Here in scripture, let's read it. So David fled and escaped and came to Samuel the Ramon and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. And it was told Saul saying, behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah." And Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied. And when it was told, Saul, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. And Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. Then went he also to Ramah, and came to the great well that is in Siku, and asked, and my Bible tore here, so I'm trying to see all the words, and asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And they said, Behold, they be at Naoth and Ramah. And they went thither to Naoth and Ramah, and the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied. Till he came to Naoth and Ramel. And he stripped off his clothes also and prophesied before Simon in like manner and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Wherefore they say, is Saul also among the prophets? Weird story, isn't it? Let's get into it tonight, see what we can learn from it. Father, thank you for this passage. I pray you'd help it and use it. In Jesus' name, amen. So David escapes. Saul's plans to kill him have been foiled by Michael. Instead of opening his eyes, to his own evil, Saul just becomes more determined than ever to kill David. Don't ever try to get between a man and his sin <laughs> uh, because it, people when they get determined to be on the road to their sin, I mean they'll follow it no matter who gets hurt. I, I dealt, dealt not too much but some uh, with with addicts and it's it's crazy how addicts will hurt their own families and hurt their loved ones and destroy every relationship they have and steal from everybody because they're after that sin. They're after that. They just, you, and nothing can get in between that until they get some victory over that. Um, this is, uh, in verse 18 it says, David fled. This is the third time fled Shows up in chapter 19. We see when, when he throws the javelin, Saul does. Verse 10, David fled. And then he in verse 12, he escaped through the window, it says, that he fled. And then here it says again, he fled. Uh, the lesson really is that sometimes to escape evil, uh, we've got to do it at a run. Sometimes we've got to flee from when evil is trying to hurt us also spiritually. Temptations and enticements will always be there, but sometimes we have to separate ourselves from it. When we hang around wickedness, we hang around wicked people, spiritually we're in great danger. And I can't tell you how many people I counsel. Um, they're not in church, but they are at the bar. They're, at the wrong time, they're hanging around the wrong people. They're at the wrong uh, parties. They're doing the wrong thing, and they can't figure out why their life is a mess. And it's just, if, if we continue to be around spiritually deficient company, we're going to hurt ourselves spiritually. And so the best thing David could do was flee from it. Uh, so David fled, verse 18, and escaped. He came to Samuel and Ramah. We also uh, saw in the last message, last week, how the wisdom of David seeking God when he was in trouble, he wrote about that in Psalm 59. Uh, Here again, David flees to the prophet Samuel, which represents the word of God. And he was obviously uh, the people of God. He was the prophet of God. So Samuel's a good place to go to, to get wise counsel, to get spiritual fellowship. Now, in today's lingo, we would say that David went to the church. He went to talk to the preacher. He went to get some spiritual advice here and some spiritual counsel. And it seems so logical to do this, but very few people do this. Here's what I find interesting. For a lot of people, even professing Christians, when trouble comes, that makes them stop church. That's when you need it all the more, amen? That's when. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling spiritually deficient or I feel uh, struggling with sin or something, I need more church, not less church, but often trouble drives people from God instead of to God. If people in times of difficulty sought spiritual guidance how much better it would be for them. And that's what David did here. He went to Samuel and dwelt in Naoth, verse 18. This is uh, thought to be the place where the school of prophets was located, as we'll see here uh, when they were prophesying. Uh, Samuel wisely stuck David here in a good location. So somebody told Saul uh, in verse 19, and when Saul was informed of David's location, he went after David again to kill him, but he ran into a problem, verse 20. It says, when it was told, Saul, he sent other messages. They prophesied, uh, that's 21, I'm sorry. 20. My Bible tore last week. And so it's right along this line. I need to get it fixed. And Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as appointed over them. So he sent messengers. And it, really, before we get into what happened, he's very resolved to do wickedness here. He's determined to kill David. And no place is sacred to him. So David's basically at, for lack of a better term, at Bible college of that day, the school of the prophets. It's a, it's a spiritual place. It's where Samuel's at. And it's amazing that Saul, even though Samuel is the one that put, anointed him, Samuel's a spiritual leader, he cha- he's willing to chase David right to the foot of God's man to do his wickedness. And God's people will find that there is nothing off limits to people's depravity. Uh, Greg and I were just talking about this on Sunday. If we jump back 25 years and somebody would tell you the things that are going on today, would we believe them? I mean, there is no way we'd say. That's insane talk. Boys, girls can't figure out what bathrooms to go to and, and all this type of things we're dealing with today. We wouldn't even believe it. All the gender garbage that's floating around out there, um, but there's nothing sacred to evil. And first, it was privately, and the, you know things were going on behind the scenes. And then uh, it, they're not a, they're not satisfied to keep it in their homes. They have to press that agenda in schools, and now they're pressing that agenda in churches. Uh, there's a big push now to get to allow LGBT people to pastor. And by the way, in our town, too. uh, We're one of the very few churches that stand against that in our town. We have 36 churches in Brookings. We're one of maybe four or five that stand against that garbage. In fact, a lot of churches that you've seen fly the flags. I'm for LGBTB. Not LGBTQ, but I am all for LGBTB. That stands for Let's Get Back to the Bible. Okay, LGBTB. So I think I'm going to get a shirt. Pro, I don't know what my rainbow, what my flag will be. I can't go with the rainbow; it's taken. I have to think about that. But it's all about love, supposedly. All because they love. Stop the hate. It's interesting to me. As soon as someone disagrees with them, that love goes out the window, doesn't it? They're attacking. They're cursing. They're screaming at you. They'll do everything to try to destroy you. And uh, so, it, it, it's a, it's a sad thing. But nothing sacred is my point. They're, they're, they'll get into churches. They'll get into schools. They'll do. I mean, attacking our children, making children, uh, it's, it's a terrible thing. But look at what happens here. So verse 20, When they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as appointed over him. Now, we've already seen how God stopped Saul's plans to murder David through the stand of Jonathan, through the separation of David, and through the support of Michael. Now God stops Saul through the spell of prophecy. And here, it, this is one of the oddest scenes, really, <laughs> In, in this series that we've gotten so far, he sends out this military convoy to go out and root out David. And when they get there, and I've tried, we were trying to work through this passage. I was talking to some others throughout this week too. What exactly is going on here? The best that I can figure out uh, in Bible college, we have practice preacher, pre- pre- practice preaching class, and that's what my son Tim just did that quite a bit last semester. We did that too. It's where you stand up in front of the others and you're, you're preaching, and then the boys, uh, your your buddies out, and the the other students are taking notes, and of course the professors taking notes, and then they analyze it basically. When you're done, could have done this better, could have done that better. It's one of the reasons why uh, I believe some Bible colleges promote better preachers than others because of that type of, of focus on that, um, and and uh, you know your 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 preacher boys colleges are going to put out better preachers than your Bob Jones, your Pensacolas, because they put a lot of focus on the preaching. So I think that's what was going on here. Look what it says. Verse 20, uh, Verse twenty. when they saw the company of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as appointed over them with a clipboard. It doesn't say with a clipboard, but that's what I picture. So he's standing there with a clipboard taking notes. He's he's listening to them and they're prophesying or they're preaching. They're praising God. They're, uh, that, that's the best picture that I have and uh, not putting that down as exactly, but that's my picture of what's going on here. And uh, when the messengers show up, they suddenly start preaching and praising God too. Amen. And they're there to arrest and kill David. But all of a sudden, the Spirit of God basically takes over on them. And uh, they, uh, there's some clues of what's happening here. The prophesying is not the, so much the message as the manner of their behavior. We talked about this a couple chapters ago. Uh, the, prophesying, the word prophesy in our text here basically means to, co- to cause to bubble up. That's what the, the word literally means. And uh, so when a prophet spoke, he was very animated, like some preachers are today. And so this word came to be associated with the prophet's ministry. So basically, I think what's going on here is they fell under some kind of spell, they were not in control anymore. And they started praising God. It was something akin maybe to a trance. And this is incredible to me. Because how often does this happen? We think we're in control. Like I used that Latin term last week. Does anyone remember, remember the Latin I said last week? Good, because I don't either. But what the, the, uh, the translation was, man proposes, but God disposes. And we think we're in control. God's in control and he can take control anytime he wants to. But here's the big question. What does Saul do when he finds out what happened to his first group? I mean, you'd think, maybe, he'd tremble, thinking, oh my goodness, I can't go up against God. He's obviously more powerful than I am. No, no, he sends a second group. The same thing happens again, and he sends a third group. He doesn't. And again, you cannot stop a man determined to have his own way. And something's got to happen in Saul's heart here. And uh, you'd think he would basically say, oh, my soul, I've got to shape up here. Something bad's going to happen if I don't. But no, he sends a second group. And uh, the same thing happened to them. And now he's so calloused that, he, that the fact that he's fighting God is, is just becoming nature, second nature to him. And how bullheaded we are in our sin. I mean, we can pick on Saul all we want to, but... Saul should have woke up and realized his wickedness, but he was just more determined to do it than ever. And Saul, like so many, ignores the hand of God and in his dis- stubborn determination goes after his own will. And in that, he's not much different than many of us are today. And we might not be trying to kill someone, but we have our will. And anytime we go after our will and rather than God's will, and, and, and sin makes us blind to these situations sometimes. I think of Peter. Remember the Bible says that Jesus told him before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. So two crows, three denials. If you watch the timeline, he denied Jesus once, he denied Jesus twice, the rooster crowed. He denies Jesus three times, the rooster crowed the second time. And I mentioned this a few Sundays ago, but that first crow should have stopped him, shouldn't it? The first, crow, oh my goodness! Jesus said something about the rooster crowing. Why two crows? I think the first crow is God's grace. He He puts those warning signs in our life and stop, stop, stop. And he was doing that to Saul here. Three groups, and then Saul goes to. By the way, I think of Balaam. Remember the story of Balaam? Balaam, uh, Balak tried to get him to curse Israel. This is in Numbers 22. And Balaam wanted to curse Israel because there was a whole bunch of money at stake. You'll get position, you'll get glory, you'll get a uh, room full of gold if you do what I ask you to do. So Balaam goes to God, God, I really think uh, this is a good step for my ministry. And God says, no way, you're not going to go curse my people. And so Balaam goes and asks again, and uh, God says no. And Balaam decides, you know what, I feel led to do it anyway. A lot of times people feel led to do things outside God's plan because they're after their own will. And, and Balaam was after something other than God's will. He was after a bunch of money, position, and power. And so he gets up early in the morning, he saddles his donkey, and off they go. And uh, you know what happens when you are uh, filled with visions of everything you want and all the worldly things that you might have? Your eyes are completely closed to spiritual things like this huge angel that was looming in front of Balaam. And his donkey saw him, but he didn't. Remember this story? And so the donkey stops, Balaam hits the donkey, and the donkey's trying to get off to the side, and finally he falls over, and then he beats him. Beats the donkey with a stick. And it's, in, it's so crazy, because... Uh, Numbers twenty two twenty eight, And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said to Balaam... What have I done unto thee that have smitten me three times? That's amazing, isn't it? Donkey start speaking. Uh, you know what's more amazing? He talked back. <laughs> he, he responds. That's a, that's a, because thou hast mocked me, if there was a sword in my hands, then for now I would kill thee. Really? You're going to kill a talking donkey? You could make a fortune on TikTok, right? And uh, it was, it's an amazing story. I was raised around a lot of animals and never did hear one talk. And uh, I, we had a few animals that are smarter than some people I know, but, but here, this donkey speaks. And for all, <laughs> for all the weirdness in the world, he spoke back. People in willful sin get very angry when somebody tries to stop them. And they get very defensive when somebody tries to stop them and stand in their way. This donkey turned aside and when he did, he jerked her back on, the tr- on track, got so angry, he starts to beat on the very animal that saved his life. Friend, when you're approached about sin in your life, hard as it may be, don't fight it. Amen? <laughs> Respond to it. And uh, help, that's how we deal with it. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso forsaketh Something good happens. I just lost the rest of that verse, but I think something good happens if you forsake your sins or forgiven or something like that. But anyway, um, here's exactly... When God beats us over the head, we barrel on our way. I think of people in Zechariah's day, Zechariah 7 11, but they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Amazing. This is the condition of Saul's heart here. He's bound and determined to have his own way. So, what happens next? Saul basically says, if you want a job done right... God, do it yourself. And so he heads off to go and get David. He did, he, uh, in verse 22, then he went also to Ramon, came to the well in Siku. He, he became personally involved in his pursuit to kill David, God's anointed, which is pure wickedness. And God intervened again. Verse 23 and 24, he starts preaching, praising God. He starts prophesying. And not only that, he laid down naked all that day and all that night. It was God who stopped Saul. When the prophecy spell came over him, God absolutely overpowered him and he, it forced him to lay down on the ground. And by the way, in the Bible's talking about naked. It's not necessarily meaning to the skin, but he was stripped of his crown. He was stripped of his robe. All the things that, that basically signified his power, it was gone. God took over. And when we think, We're in control. We think we can do what we want to do. God's in control, friend. He can stop you like that. He doesn't always His grace, but He can, and He showed it here. Uh, In Psalm 59, 16, David said he would sing of God's power because of His deliverance. And and, uh, think about David. Had to be getting a little concerned. Saul sending group after group to come after him, and now... Uh, if we were David, we'd probably think this is a little bit too close for comfort, but God waited to intervene until they were right in hand, right there in front basically in front of them, and uh, he permitted the enemy to virtually knock on David's door before he intervened waiting waiting for the enemy to uh, until they're at the doorstep would be a step of uh, a real test of faith for David. but sometimes God allows that to happen, allows trouble to come real close before. He delivers us. We just need to have faith and trust in Him. Just because trouble is imminent does not mean that God is powerless. Saul was very shamed during this whole episode. He prophesied before Samuel this had to be extremely embarrassing, rendered helpless. I, I mean, I tried to picture exactly how this went down. I don't know, you know, we don't know exactly what this means, but evidently, he's out to take a message of murder to David and he ends up praising God preaching. Uh, You're right, I'm wrong. I don't know all the things that he said. And then lay down naked or or stripped of his garments. It would have been an embarrassing time for Saul as as he fought against God. And shame is always, always, always the result of us fighting against God. It's never going to come up good as it didn't here. And uh, we need to be very careful that we're not like Balaam was. And I'm read your verse here, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. I really believe this is what is happening in, in uh, Saul's life. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And when we are carnal, when we have eyes only for earthly things, when we are filled with our own way, we become blind to spiritual things. And uh, this is what was happening with Saul here. So uh, let's not let them make the same mistake in our life. Father, we thank you for this.